0: Morning, everyone. So, um, God will provide, and um, as the words of the song that Ken picked this morning, "In faith, let us receive from Him." So He provides; let us receive from Him. So we're doing um, a teaching series looking at who God is. We want to know him. We want to know him better. We need to know who God is. And Rich spoke last week um, that God is our shepherd. And today we are looking at God will provide. And this is um, pronounced Yahweh Yahweh in the Hebrew or Jehovah Jireh, which comes from the Latin. So we're looking at places in the Bible where God reveals a compound name to people. So this means that God adds something to the name Yahweh to make the name longer, to make it explain more about who he is. And it's similar to how I save names in my phone book in my phone. So I've got Vic, great electrician. And um, so the name is a summary of what the person does. So Yahweh will provide is a name of God, because that's what he does. He is the God who will provide, and providing is not just something he does, it's like a random thing, it's who he is, it's part of the very being of who God is, that's why it's his name. And meeting our needs as a church, as his family, as those of us who know Jesus, that's part of his character, to meet our needs individually. So God provides in many different ways, and we are talking about provision here, but we are not necessarily talking about stuff or possessions, although sometimes that is what God provides, but we are focusing on the nature of God, of who he is. Let's be God-focused, not self-focused. So as I'm talking, um, I would like you to be thinking about the experiences you have of God being your provider, what he's done for you, since you've known him. So it will be interesting to see if your response to God's provision is any way similar to Abraham's, who features in this narrative. And I'm not sure our stories might be quite as dramatic as his, but nevertheless, we all, I'm sure, have examples of God's provision over us. So let's have a look at the word provide, so we can read the scripture a little more clearly. Both the English and the Hebrew words here have the sense of seeing, seeing so the English word comes from the Latin pro, which means before, and video, which means to see. So it's literally seeing in advance or foreseeing. And the Hebrew word, yare, carries the sense of seeing or seeing to something. God sees it, and then God sees to it. So this scripture appears in the Bible um, in Genesis twenty-two, fourteen. And back in January this year, Drew did two great talks about Abraham in our Faith in Action series. Um, and it featured this scripture. So hopefully you were here or listened to it. I'm going to summarise uh, rather than read the whole story. So, God gave Abraham a great promise that he would be the father of many nations. He asked him to leave his homeland, trust God, travel to a land that God would show him. Also, he promised Abraham that his descendants would become as numerous as the dust on the earth and the stars in the sky. Now, this is quite a promise for anyone to receive, but even more so for Abraham, because he was 100 years old at the time, and his wife was 90, and to date, they had been unable to have children. So, there's a bit of human meandering. Ultimately, Abraham has a son by his wife, Sarah, and they call him Isaac. So some years later, when Isaac is in his teenage years, God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moria. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, if anyone here doesn't know God, let's make it quite clear. This is not a typical request this is totally unique, one-off event. Dead animals, not people, were used in burnt offerings. But Abraham had walked with God and knew that God would provide a way. Because God had made a promise to Abraham. His descendants will be blessed and given the land as their inheritance. God does not tell lies. God does not break his promises to us. Abraham knew his God. Also, he could stand on the personal uh, foundation that God was his provider, because God had miraculously given him a son. So Abraham knew God could do anything. So on the journey, when Isaac innocently asked his father the question, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham was able to answer, God himself will provide the lamb for my burnt offering, my son. So... Abraham tells his servants his plans. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. This is the first use of the word worship in reference to God in the Bible. And the Hebrew sense of the word is to bow down. So Abraham is so certain that God will provide while he waits on God to do so. His plan is to bow down and to worship him. Wow. So the moment of truth comes. Abraham builds an altar, lays the wood on it, binds his son to it and raises his hand to sacrifice his son. And the angel of the Lord stops him and says, do not lay a hand on the boy. So I'm reading from Genesis, it's twenty-two, thirteen to 14. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God was well aware of what Abraham needed, and he provided it. Abraham was well aware of who to give the glory to. Notice, he didn't call it Mount Agony. He didn't call it Thew. That was close, anti-obedient. He recognised and he glorified God as the one who sees to it. And also, this is not just the truth that applied this one time to Abraham. It became a common saying. Everyone used it and knew what it meant. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's a continuous truth. And it still applies to us today. So it raises a question. And I'm going to use Nita's phrasing from a few weeks ago now. Who does it all belong to anyway? Deuteronomy 2.7 says, The Lord has blessed you in all the work of your hands. God gives us everything. So the breath in our lungs... And we are not doing him a favor when we tithe regularly to the church because it all belongs to him anyway. Our children, our talents, our ambitions and our dreams all come from God and we need to hold them loosely in reverence to him. And when we know God well, we know who he is, we know his character, if he tells us to change direction or to give something up, we have to trust him with it, remembering that God's plans for us outdo they're bigger than anything we can possibly conceive of so the other thing I want to draw out of the story is about God's timing sometimes we have to wait longer than we want to and we just need to get used to that this week my daughter was a bit frustrated because Amazon Prime took 48 hours to deliver her order (laughs) not the 24 stated on the website Well, I'm sure Abraham would have liked God to have delivered a little more quickly too. Maybe that he was given the ram as he was going up the mountain before he tied his son as a burnt offering. So let's not grow weary of waiting on God because he's trustworthy. And also, we don't know how close to breakthrough we are. It's a little bit like the pictures this morning about Perhaps the person who thinks they're locked into something and actually they're not—it's a lie—and um, that actually just to push that bit of paper, there is freedom. And you know, in picture language, if you're trying to break down a wall and you've been chipping at it for a long time and it's too long and it's too hard, and um, you just think, "Oh, I'm just going to give up. I'm never going to be able to do it anyway." But what if, like God, you have the perspective from the other side of the wall, and we're literally centimeters from success, from breakthrough? Sometimes I have found, and I think the Bible tells us, we have to cling on to our faith by our very fingertips just to keep us going, like Abraham did when he was seconds away from sacrificing a child he loved. So, there are so many examples of God's provision throughout the Bible. So, can anyone here think or call out some of the um, obvious ones or some of the things you can think of in the stories in the Bible? Put your hand up if you... Lynn. Feeding the 5,000, absolutely. Couple of loaves, couple of fish, that's what Jesus did with it. Healing the lepers, healing the lepers absolutely. He healed, he provided healing, he provided a way out. <laughs> absolutely, one of the bizarre ones, yeah, absolutely, it was there, it was waiting. James? Uh, wine, yeah, water, into water into wine, absolutely, yes. Absolutely. The fish, the abundant catch of fish that was waiting on the other side of the boat for them. Michelle, on Monday, you talked about the donkey. So, um, referring... Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the donkey and the colt that were waiting for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem. Yeah. So many, so many. So, sometimes God's provision comes from nothing. For example, with the manna that appeared as a layer of dew on the ground or the rock that gave water in the wilderness to the Israelites. But other times, it comes from offering back to God what we have, what he has already given us. So, Jody, could you read for me, please, from the
1: widow's oil? It's 2 Kings 4, 1-7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he... Revered the Lord, but now his creator, creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and... As each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left.
0: Thank you, Jodie. So the prophet Elisha asks an important question. What do you have in your house? Mm -hmm. Nothing except a little oil, she replies. It didn't seem very much at all. But the power of God, he can take very little. He can expand it Mm -hmm. and make it supernaturally abundant. Go round and ask your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. God knows the size of the outcome. We don't. We just have to do the bit which is being obedient to what he asks us. Which is a similar example to the one Lynn mentioned earlier, with the five small loaves and two small fish. And in that that example, where Jesus fed the 5,000, he took the small amount they had and he gave thanks for it. He gave thanks to God. And the result was food for over 5,000 people with leftovers. So that's the scowl of our God's power and provision over us. So if we read the scripture, it's Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 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 He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power and for the glory, his glory. So, what has God given us that we can use? Do we always see God's provision over us? Did Lynn and Mike know they were starting a church in Thadum 40 years ago? No. They took what they had a garden, some room on the stairs when they couldn't go outside their hearts for Jesus, and they just let people turn up. And then God transformed it into what he wanted it to be. Thank goodness. So whenever God asks me to do something, I don't know about you, which is equivalent to the question, what have you got in your house, Kelly? Often my natural human response to that question is not a lot. But then again, I do love your word, or whatever it is. So I think that God shows us. If we have faith and yield out what we may think is really little, we yield what we've got, he provides the rest. So in faith, we receive from him. So that's a good question to ask ourselves, everybody. What has God already given you that you can use? What can God multiply and use for his glory? Do we see his provision over us? Or are we caught up and busy comparing or wanting what someone else has got. Jodie's an amazing, beautiful singer. I could spend a lot of time on Helen thinking, oh, I really would like to sing like them. But unfortunately, I can't, but that's okay. So, and sometimes we just tell ourselves, we're rubbish. We've been given nothing that is of value. Who am I? But that's a lie. So what we're asked to do is see what God has given us, appreciate it, yield it to him. So Jesus is our example. And in Matthew 6, from verse 19, he teaches us, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. He goes on to say, For where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. Jesus goes on to talk about, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, these were sayings in the Hebrew language from biblical times to even today. Having a good eye is to look at the needs for others, to be generous. Whereas a bad eye is to be greedy, self-centered and blind, not seeing the need of those around us. We need to ask God to open our hearts to see as he sees. What we can give and provide to others can be so varied. It can be so much more than financial, although sometimes he asks us to give. But it can be a kind word, practical help, someone to mow your lawn or help you with your cleaning if you're feeling poorly or um, just someone to listen to or to pray with. Our time is a precious gift. And God gives us his presence We've been singing a lot, thinking today about the glory of his presence and um, what an absolute blessing it is. I sometimes think, I didn't find Jesus so I was in my mid-30s, and I sometimes think, Kelly, how did you do life before he was with you? And I don't know about you, but I meet people who are living like I used to live, and they don't even know, they don't even know what they are missing, and my heart breaks for them because... How do you do life without the presence of God in it? So, let's um, be so excited that we are able to have a relationship with the living God through his Holy Spirit. Moses, great example to us, he knew the importance of God's presence. In Exodus 33.15, he says to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. And God knows us intimately. He knows our personalities, our needs. And I'm someone who likes forewarning, time to prepare. I'm not good if I'm asked for a decision on the spot. And so um, when a major trauma was heading my way, God told me a couple of three months before, he sent a um, trusted man of God to give me a word that opposition was coming, but I was not to fear it. So in faith... We receive from him, and he knows us. So, the ultimate provision from God is salvation. Not just eternal life, but for the here and now. We don't have a prosperity gospel. We have a gospel of salvation. Of what God has saved us from, protected us from, protects us from now, and delivers us from. God wants us to be healed and whole, living aligned with him. And not only did God give us Jesus, he sent him down like Rich Valcalia. You know, there was, um, Jesus was humble. He didn't hang on to the amazing heavenly place that he was in. He sent down to this earth for us. God did that for us. And then sacrificed sacrificing for us in a bloody way, on on a cross. So in the passage that we were looking at, the passage about um, what Abraham did with Isaac, after Isaac had been saved, the angel of the Lord blessed Abraham. And he says, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, God, at that moment, could have added, I will not withhold my only and well-beloved son. I will give him up for you to save you from sin. And in the Bible, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, his words, he said, was, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' body was broken for us. Jesus' blood was poured out for us to save us from sin and from separation from the presence of God. Separation from the presence of God. So, I'm going to recap. Firstly, we need to know who God is. And the way we do that is by reading our Bibles, by being around people, by yeah, having your private time, by knowing that it's, it's down to us how we grow with Jesus. It's not down to anyone else. It's not about how many church things you do or how many chairs you put out. We, Joe, we, we grow in our knowledge of God When we spend time with him. We need to remember and to um, see the truth in the fact that God will provide. He is our provider. He sees our need and he sees to it. He sees that the job is done. Gives us what we need. Abraham and Jesus, both in, in the stories I've talked about, reminded us to worship and show our gratitude And bow down. Not just when the miracle comes or the breakthrough comes, but while we wait on it. Let's be people who worship and bow down while we wait on God to give us his plan, his way out. And when God does provide, we need to see it. We need to appreciate it. We need to give thanks for it. And we need to give God all the glory. Don't let any of us... um, be keeping from God the glory that he deserves. May we develop a good eye to see God's provision over us and to share it with others. And I think um, the line in the song just sums it all up for me. In faith, may we receive from him, may we receive from God. Amen. Amen.